Welcome back to the Disaster Tough Podcast. It's your host, John Scardina. I've been on a kick about jobs lately. I just had a conversation with somebody online about how to find a job. But before I want to get into that, I want to talk to somebody who has a really cool job out there in Oregon, Dan. Dan and I uh, are going to be hanging out at Dive Pop and uh, pretty excited for it. So, Dan, uh, happy to get to know you in person, man, and uh, pretty cool to learn more about uh, education and your perspective um, working with schools. So, um, okay, let's talk about jobs. Now, I'm really tempted to just to read this article that we wrote, I don't know, maybe it was a year or two ago. March 22nd, 2022 is the date of the article. It was called Morning Thoughts, the Ashley Model, Five Tips to Boost Your Emergency Management Career. And I'm going to be drawing a lot of my comments from that. But the reason why I'm talking about this is because I've had a couple of funny experiences lately. One, we interview people all the time and we are just hiring again for our company for Doberman. Uh, we're looking at summer interns. Some people reached out for that. Uh, some people have uh, been applying for executive assistant position. If you would like to work with us, uh, make sure you check out uh, the Indeed or LinkedIn posts about that. I think we also share it on Facebook. It's kind of everywhere. So just got to go to Doberman Emergency Management uh, social media pages and you can find the link. But let me give you some tips about why you may or may not be getting an interview and how to move forward in the next step. So before I even get to like the five tips and maybe share a story or two about that, I want to talk about kind of like the hard passes in uh, interviews or rather resumes. My first hard pass is to avoid anything cute on your title, especially if you're applying on LinkedIn where it provides like your titles. Uh, one of which uh, I'll actually just give a, f a few examples. So somebody uh, called themselves a protector and I was like, what? And then they were like talking about how, you know, they, they teach gun safety. Now gun safety. Cool. All right. Uh, calling yourself a protector. Not cool. Another thing is calling yourself a thought leader. That, funny enough, that gets an immediate hard pass. I, I don't even look at your resume if I see thought leader on your resume for a couple of reasons. One, if you're calling yourself a thought leader, that level of narcissism has to be so extreme that I wouldn't want to work with you. Uh, or at least that that level of you know arrogance, whatever that is, uh, this is going to be an immediate hard pass. For example, Disaster Tough Podcast has had hundreds of thousands of downloads at this point, and we're really grateful for all of you who are listening to our podcast every week, but I would not call myself a thought leader. Someone like Simon Sinek, who has you know hundreds of thousands of people listening to his you know commentary all the time, maybe even millions, other people are calling him a thought leader. I don't think he actually calls himself a, th a thought leader, right? So when, when we're talking about, you know, how to present yourself, when you're using words like I'm a protector, I'm a thought leader, I'm an expert. Now, expert is a, an interesting uh, and difficult place to find. I think it's okay for people to call themselves an expert, but the resume better back it up. So if I see somebody who is applying for an entry level position at our company and they're calling themselves an expert, I'm going to have, uh, a, a, I think, a problem with how they're going to interact with their senior staff. If they already think they're the expert and they're applying for an entry-level position, 
How are they going to interact with my other team members who get along really well? And so a little bit of humility. However, if we are hiring somebody who's senior and you say you're an expert and you have multiple degrees in emergency management and you've had tons of field experience, you have lots of different jobs, you're really well respected and known in the community. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Zach Borst is one of my podcasters on EM Weekly. We, we talk to him all the time on this show. He's an expert. It's appropriate for him to call himself an expert. He has a ton of experience. Ashley Loria Golden, my COO, she has a ton of experience. And she and I went to the same master's program together. I actually saw how she interacted as a student, you know, several years ago. And even then she stood out, right? And so there's different titles and different perspectives you can use. But again, I would avoid anything that that is like cute. Uh, the profile pictures, especially on LinkedIn, uh, that, that comes over with it. That's how you applied. So that's what we get to see. If you have weird things in there that I'm going to start wondering, like your decision-making capability, especially in emergency management. Um, weird things for me would be intentionally looking like you're angry in your photos. And when I say that, I'm not talking about just not smiling. I'm like, if you're watching the podcast on YouTube, it's like, you're like the frown and you're like angry and you're like, yeah, I'm tough. And you're like, eh, that's not what I think tough means. I think tough is making smart decisions, right? And that's how the Disaster Tough podcast came together. Um, we've seen other things where people put stuff in their background or their photo or uh, try to make themselves, you know, one person I think said something to the effect of that they have ex experience in every human endeavor. Now that can be funny in the right context. If you're applying for a job, again, I'm going to start wondering about your decision-making capability and uh, that's going to be a red flag for me. So avoid anything cute so that you can admit, uh, pass the initial smell test, right? When you're getting hundreds of resumes, you have to start weeding people out very quickly. And you, ha you have to be able to uh, judge somebody based off a piece of paper. And that is not always fair, right? And so what you want to do on your resume is to make it as clean and as organized as humanly possible. Uh, I've seen a lot of resumes where people clearly don't know how to write a resume. And that is a skill set that maybe that can be addressed in schools or in other places. However, the reason why I call that out is because if you have a unique looking resume or it's difficult to read, or you think it looks cool and so it stands out, some of those problems for me are, I hire emergency managers who write and to have to be able to organize. And especially because if they work on the readiness lab side, you know, design is such so important to us. Where we, we talk about it. I'm literally wearing a shirt that's talking about branding, right? And so <clears throat> when we look at people, uh, I think it's important to do some due diligence, hand it over to a few people, maybe a, a professor or um, a mentor, a couple of people, and ask them the hard questions. Is this readable, right? Is this organized? What fonts? What what size should I use? How long is it? Now, I've gotten away from the one-pager resume mentality uh, because I've seen it too often in government. They want everything. Also, because I apply for contracts and when they ask for a resume, I literally put everything out there anymore. So you don't have to limit your resume. Just make it clean and easy to follow, right? And uh, that will get you um, some major points. And lastly, in terms of like trying to get in front of somebody's perspective uh, or door, uh, 
your the way you email, the way you communicate, the way you interact with them will dramatically adjust. I have interviewed people who were not qualified because the way they interacted with me. I understood that they were taking it very seriously, professional, they were positive, you know, they were upbeat. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this person a chance. There was one person, in fact, very recently who uh, applied for an internship for our our company. And she might be getting a a ding here real quick because, um, you know, hopefully she's watching this. But uh, she reached out to us. We were have another open position out there. She reached out, said, hey, I saw that you're hiring. I'm actually just looking for an entry level, you know, uh, emergency management experience. Would you take an intern? And her email was so well written, even though it's not really what we were looking for. I was like, you know what, let's give her a call. And so, you know, myself or Ashley, maybe Zach is going to reach out to her. But um, that's the kind of thing that will get you in front of a potential employer um, if you have to cold call. So, uh, you know, professional communication, avoiding anything cute or weird, um, you know, making sure your decision making skill set is clean and upfront already so that you don't get weeded out before somebody has a chance to look at your potentially amazing resume. Okay, so with that being said, um, I'm gonna go over the five things that I talked in this um, article and maybe share a couple stories to help illustrate why they're so important. Um, in fact, I might do that on each one of these, just looking at the list here. Okay, so again, the article, if you go to Doberman Emergency Management on LinkedIn, click on posts, And then you'll see a thing that says articles. Currently, there's two articles. One is called the Ashley model. So it was just morning thoughts I had a while ago because we get requests from the audience members all the time of, hey, you're talking about this really cool thing. How do I get a job in that? And so I just started sending them this, this, um, you know, list. Okay. So the very first thing, the easy one on the list is a university degree. Having a degree in emergency management, I think, is important, especially as we're moving forward in the field to show that, you know, a lot of things. One, you've learned baseline competencies. Hopefully your university is teaching that. That's another thing we want to address. But you you have uh, some education behind your thought process. There's some training that, you know, formal training, multi-year training, not just like the ICS click through as fast as you can training. Um, that you've gone through, that you've written, um, that you've um, been able to work through something that's multi-year going through that. Um, In terms of university degrees, so many people miss out on the the good of having not just the degree, but the experience of the degree and the networking that they can do during that. I mentioned earlier in this podcast that Ashley and I met at Georgetown. Uh, I recognized her as, quote unquote, a thought leader, huh? See, she didn't call herself that. Um, Somebody who I could respect and I thought, okay, he could really do well in this field. Um, At the same time, I networked with different classmates. I have a really strong network with my classmates who have all gone into different spaces. And you're looking at, you know, five, 10 years later, and I connect with a lot of them uh, for different work and for advice and uh, just catching up and to make sure uh, that we're doing well. I've gotten jobs off of it. And so something to think about um, the, who your classmates are. Maybe you want to rekindle that if you've recently graduated. Another one is your professors. 
one of the well i'll give you the two advice that uh, really stood out for me one was my undergrad one was my master's in my undergrad um, my wife wanted to move to the east coast and uh, i went to the professors and i said hey like i need to figure out how to get a job and one of the professors specifically was like you need to go to conferences and i think we talked about that a little bit later on in here but uh, just like getting in front of people in as much as possible so I went to a uh, train the trainer course. I went to the higher ed symposium. I went to a PIO conference. Um, I went to a couple other ones, but um, at each one of those, I just, I, I had no resume. I had a business card with just my name on it and my personal email address and it said, please hire me. I was like really bold about it, but I wanted a job and I wanted to get as many interviews as I could on the East coast. At CERT Train the Trainer, I met a man named Jeff Alderdice. In fact, that story is really funny. And um, the night before the CERT Train the Trainer course, I went and tried to find the room so I would know where to go in the morning. And uh, when I went in the room, they had the roster there uh, in the class. And so I took a picture on my like you know flip phone, took a picture of all the names, went online. I researched where each of those people worked. I highlighted the ones that worked on the East Coast because I, I was motivated to move to the East Coast for my wife. And um, that week, I was probably 20 years younger than most of the people. Jeff, I think, was maybe 15 or 16 years older than me, uh, maybe less, but um, maybe 10. He's probably listening like, what the heck, man? Um, but he, I was definitely much younger than everybody else in the class. And I took that to my advantage for a couple of reasons. One. When I stood up, I said, hi, I'm John. I'm in my undergrad in emergency management. I'm looking for a job. Please hire me. Right. Got a laughs from a lot of people. But because I was so much younger, I had the opportunity to be humble enough to basically go under the wing of a lot of people there. But I specifically focused my time on the people who worked on the East Coast. And so Jeff Alderdice was one of those people. And I wanted to impress him. When he was talking about different things, I made sure I paid attention and I went up to him and said, hey, I really like what you're talking about. This is my thoughts on it. And um, I think we were even playing pool one night and just um, I just showed him that I paid a lot of attention to what he was saying. And uh, I also I really respected what he was saying, to be honest. Um, but lo and behold, um, I got like something like 17 interviews on the East Coast over those several courses or those several um, experiences. Real quick, we're going to pause for this week's Disaster Tough endorsements. The L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio solves problems and is specifically designed for emergency services. How do we know? We field tested it with medical, urban search and rescue, and collapsed and confined structures. This radio is amazingly tough. Check out the L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio at L3Harris.com right now. How do you spell Doberman Emergency Management? EOP, OEP, HVA, HMP, Thyra, TTX, Drone, PDA. Whenever you need an expert, Doberman Emergency Management field experts are there for support. Contact an expert at DobermanEMG.com today. The Readiness Lab is trailblazing disaster readiness. Early access for the highly anticipated course, Emergency Management Response for Dynamic Populations, is currently live. Space is limited to 40. Go to the readinesslab.com forward slash training to learn more. Okay, let's jump back in. And it was like the most amazing feeling in the world to land that job. But we had to move from the West Coast over to the East Coast. 
and it was an awesome experience. Did they pay for relocation? Nope. Did I get these huge bonuses for signing? Nope. Did uh, it was like a contract position for the um, for the National Cancer Institute? Yes. Like it was an entry level position um, that I wanted to take, and I was willing to get there. So we moved to Washington D.C. And my career really exploded from there. And um, that just shows um, one, one way. So degrees, uh, take advantage of your professors, take advantage of uh, the network that you can get from your students. Being a student with a you know, .edu email address is really disarming to, uh, dis, uh, disarming? Yeah. to um, potential employers if you're looking for um, an informational interview in order to get a job. I did several of those. And so just use the advantage of your, both your degree and like the assets you have as part of your degree. Okay. The next one is response experience. Okay. So as I noted right in the article, people may fight me here, uh, but I'm just going to read this like, right. So the fact remains that the most trusted and proven emergency managers keep emergency in their title. They know what it's like in a response and it's not just, um, a response exercise. You need to understand the stress of emergency management. You need to understand the value of stakeholders. You need to interact with people who have been impacted by disaster. So when I talk about response experience, that could look like an internship. I did an internship with disaster services with the Red Cross. That could look like a military service. That could look like being um, a tactician, like fire, police, EMS. That could look like emergency management volunteering and or internships that get out in the field and have that experience. I, uh, at Doberman, I don't really hire people without field experience, whether, whatever their job might be, um, because I want them to know what it's like to be in the field. So when they talk to our clients, they're coming from a place of experience and not from a place of guessing or assumption. And as much as I love exercises, obviously we do DIPOP. We try to make it as real as humanly possible. Um, the exercises have a place that place is for training and exercise and, and networking, right? Learning new skills, response experience, you know, that time that you can get out in front of people and learn what it's really like at the, the ground level will make you so much better at the strategic level. If you're able to pull back and say, okay, like I know where this, this car is going down the road. I want to make sure I give it all the the things it needs now so it can get there and be successful. So make you a better emergency manager and it will make your resume look better. All right. So number three, work the hardest, but be the coolest. This is um, advice that I gave to someone maybe four days ago, three days ago. Um, they asked for some life advice. It was somebody who's actually just finishing a mission for a church. And so she was going to go to college and, you know, you know, job and family and the whole deal. And um, she was like, hey, you know, I'm finishing up this experience here in Missouri. I'm going to go out to Idaho, go back to school. What is some advice? And my wife gave her some advice. And my advice is this, because it relates to work. Work the absolute hardest, be the absolute best. There is tears. It's not so much of a mountain, but it is a lot more like tears. I recognize that there are millions of people out there who work as hard as I do and who are just as good. I don't want to be known as somebody who's not in that top tier. 
I don't ever want to look at somebody and say, oh, that person works harder than I do. Somebody has to be the best, right? I think that's the quote, right? The, the, the mentality of, especially when you're getting a new job, is to work the absolute hardest there. Show up first, leave last, you know, do the, do the most, be um, perfect in your job. And really aim for perfection, right? I think that's a better way to say that. Aim for perfection. Be trusted in your role. Know everything about it as fast as you can. However, um, despite not wanting to be outpaced by anybody, you have to be absolutely cool about it. You got to be a friend. You got to be a great coworker. You need to be kind and generous. Other people are motivated by other things. Even if that, even if the advice to you is work the hardest. Uh, everybody's level of, you know, motivation and desire and skill set and all those different things play into factors. Emotion plays into factors of how hard you can work and um, what you, what your output will be. No matter what the situation, whether you're working with somebody who is just as motivated as you, or you're go- working with somebody who has little motivation, it's always wise to be nice and to be kind and let management take care of the motivation issues. Um, and funny enough, you can really help motivate other people just by being a, a kind person. Um, so work the hardest, but be the coolest. Um, okay. Uh, number four, always say yes until you can afford to say no. So um, I didn't give the, the second piece of advice um, earlier from the university perspective. Here it is now. Um, in my master's program, I had a professor um, that I was contemplating a job with the National IMAT. Um, and I think there's an episode about that. I think it's like the fifth or sixth episode, actually, it's forever ago, uh, with the former boss where I took the job. But before I took the job, I asked him his advice. I had a pretty good job in D.C. and, you know, wanted to know what I should do. And he his advice was for the first 10 years of your career, you should always say yes and move up or out every two years. So essentially five year, five jobs in 10 years. And uh, eventually you'll be able to do whatever you want um, at, the, at that time, right? But when I talk to people, I talk to a lot of people, I'm always happy to provide um, uh, an informational interview or just provide advice on how to get a job. Um, I've had pretty good luck with that. Ashley obviously has pretty good luck with that. But some of the excuses I've heard are, I don't want to move. It's too far. It seems hard. I love the job, but the pay doesn't match what I want. Um, And they especially say that with no field experience, which is funny to me. Um, I don't think I should apply because of X. And you should, you know, really insert any excuse there. And when I hear those things and then they say like, but I can't find a job. I just wish I could find a job in my local community. I wish I could just find a job that was five minutes from my house. I wish I could just find a job that was kind of easy. I just graduated from this uh, hard degree and I just kind of wanted to let it ride for a little while. It's like, what are you doing? Like you're, you're hurting your, um, your own possibility for success. And sometimes you need to be a little more strategic and thinking, hey, if I do the hard work now, it will pay off in the future. I will build bigger networks. I will learn more skills. Um, I will be able to do this. Now, 
if you're in a job and that job is too hard, i.e. it's way outside your comfort zone and um, your employer is not helping you, here's the key, your employer is not helping you learn the skills for that job or it is uh, you're driving multiple hours. I drove three hours every day for, uh, or sorry, every week for uh, what a year and a half for a job. I drive three hours down and three hours back for to meet with a client. Um, or, um, so, like in one of the the jobs I had, I had to drive you know three hours down and three hours back twice a week for a year and a half every day. Right, every time I had to go down there. Three hours down, three hours back in the same day. Did I get uh, extra pay for that? Did I get extra hours for that? Did I extra? No. Um, and that is sometimes can be pretty exhausting on people. Um, however, if you're working for an employer that is not helping you overcome that stuff. Now that one employer, because I was driving so much, um, I didn't have to add hours at my other office. They were like, hey, just go down there for those couple meetings and come back and you're good. Um, so they, they made accommodations. Um, if your employer is, um, you know, not meeting you where you have like, you know, quote unquote, basic human rights, or they're not being fair to you, sometimes fair is um, taken for granted. But um, like if there's getting to the point of harassment, like the, we're not talking about all that stuff. We're talking about, you know, you applying for and keeping a job, not about the, you know, the rare and horrible experiences out there that some people have to face. And if they do face those, they should take every means possible to get out of that situation and then correct that situation um, <clears throat> legally. So um, yeah, just think about like, um, again, always try to find, yes, I took jobs that were definitely outside of the comfort zone and um, wanted to, didn't want to move. Like for example, I was again in DC and I was uh, presented with the IMAT position and it was GIS and I did not do GIS and I was, you know, really struggling there for a little bit, but again, the professor, right. Um, always move up route and always say yes. And so I took that job. And again, another explosion happened in my career. There was a moment in that job, uh, where I was pretty nervous that I was pigeonholed. Um, I got into FEMA thinking like, oh, this will be a, a way in a door and I can go into different aspects of the job. But then all of a sudden people always could see me as a GISer. And um, it wasn't until after I left FEMA that I realized that not only did I have the experience, the response experience, I had a planning job, I had an operations job, I did a little bit of logistics, I did a lot with uh, media. And now all of a sudden I have this GIS experience. And instead of somebody who was pigeonholed, all of a sudden I was a lot more well-rounded. Funny enough, a Zach Borst, who I brought up earlier, he also has a geospatial background. He has a mass notifications background. He has a USAR and a firefighting background. He's a military background. And, you know, he was an EM director for six years at a university. So a lot of planning and logistics as well. And so it's really fun. He and I, when we talk, because even though our experiences are different, we both can basically address any topic in EM. Did we necessarily both know that when we took the jobs that we were taking? Not really. Um, I just wanted to get to the next step in my career. So something to think about. Um, <clears throat> last but not least, know your priorities or put your priorities in order. 
So uh, I was on a disaster one time and um, somebody who is not advancing very far in their career, uh, who is always like one of those people like, I can't, I don't know why I don't get this job. I don't know why this, I don't know why that. But when I went out and deployed with that person, they left probably the biggest response I've ever been a part of type one response. Um, And the reason why they left the disaster for a week and a half is because they had a planned staycation where they wanted to go home and a new video game was coming out. And they were like so excited about that video game that they left an active disaster to play the game. Um, I understand that mental health is incredibly important. We talked about mental and emotional, uh, physical uh, first aid, right? Um, however, um, a somebody who goes who who leaves and is excited to to leave for a staycation is not the type of person that's really well respected in humanitarian aid or emergency management, right? And I think it's just important. Like sometimes we just have to do a gut check. Like sometimes. <clears throat> Other factors in our life seem important, but they're absolutely not important when it comes down to life-saving, life-sustaining work. And um, I, I think some sometimes we're kind of afraid to say that. We're afraid to say, hey, this stuff is so incredibly important that it's worth uh, putting off the things you want to do for the things you need to do. A job is something you need to do, but hopefully it's something you want to do as well. Um, now, other people... Um, have had to leave for other really great reasons. Um, I always think family is uh, number one reason to um, to do anything. Um, as Ashley calls herself, she's an emergency momager. Um, even before she takes any job, she can afford to say no now. But people know that she's a mom and that she's going to put her son uh, first and she's going to put her family first. I'm the same way. I have two little kids and a wonderful wife. And when it comes to um, making sure that my priorities in order, I put them first. I will move where they want to move. I will do what they want to do. I will uh, prioritize playing with them over, you know, t- taking a, a, a job, for example. Um, I'm at that point where I can do that. At the same time, I've pulled a lot of late nights. I've pulled 20-hour days for, you know, days and weeks on end. And it's exhausting to myself and also to my family, I'm sure. Um, but they they also recognize that sacrifice. And so it's not about, um, you know, the, the short-term wins, it's about the long-term wins. And if you have a long view of things, then you will be able to be more strategic of saying, okay, this is, you know, going, leaving for a staycation, not a great idea. Uh, leaving because, you know, your wife is pregnant and, you know, you want to make sure that you're there for the birth, fantastic idea, right? Like, that's obvious. So um, I, I think it's important to realize where those things lie. Um, just in summary here, starting back from a lot of people have interviewed. Now, if you've listened this far and you've recently applied for a job, we always put something in our resume uh, or in our job posting that weeds people out immediately. And one of those things is a test. I will ask them to do something or we'll ask them to do something where they'll have to send us either something that they've researched or they'll have to send something like some kind of phrase or comment because I want to make sure that they're detail-oriented. And funny enough, the people who get high-paying jobs at my company have all done that. They've all read the the very long, we make it intentionally long, 
a job posting it tells you everything you could possibly understand about the job. And there will be one line in there that says, ignore everything else and do this. And it's very obvious if you've read it. <clears throat> so if you've applied to Doberman Emergency Management or the Readiness Lab, and you were wondering why you didn't get an interview and you thought you had an amazing resume, it's because you didn't do the thing we asked you to do and we don't give people interviews because they don't do it. So something to think about. Um, I hope this helped you in your journey as you're trying to apply for jobs, especially those in college looking to get out or those who have recently graduated or trying to do a career shift and wondering why they can't get a new job. Get out in front of people, go to conferences, uh, speak at those conferences. I spoke at the, you know, the um, higher ed symposium one year with that professor. And uh, at the very end of the presentation, I walked around with that business card with just my name on it and said, please hire me. And I did it to 30 people. It was very awkward. Everybody was laughing. And guess what? I got five job interviews out of it. I was one of the 17, it was five of the 17 interviews that I got out of all that stuff. So it's important to get in front of people, um, to take the risk, to say yes, and um, get out of your comfort zone a little bit. And um, I... I wish you happy hunting and EM jobs right now. There's a ton out there. Oh my gosh, there's so many cool jobs I've seen lately. Where I'm like, okay, if my company, you know, bombs, hopefully it's not. But if it bombs and everybody hates me in podcasting, all of a sudden I'm going to apply for that job because I love that job. There's a lot of jobs out there right now. So um, if you have questions about looking for jobs, first, I'm going to point you towards the Ashley model. If you've read the Ashley model and you feel like you're still coming up short, Send me a DM on LinkedIn or on Instagram, Facebook, wherever for the Disaster Cup podcast. Send us an email. You can send us an email at contact the readiness lab at info at dobermanemg.com at support at dobermanemg.com. There's lots of different email addresses we have for different use cases, but just send us an email and say, hey, I could use an informational interview if you want to work with me, or I could just use some guidance. I'm more than happy to help uh, where I can in the field. So. With that being said, we'll talk soon. Good luck and like, subscribe and comment the whole deal. Thanks. Peace.